Okay, so I have my own thoughts and opinions about Sarek, but before we get into that, I just want to get this out of the way. What what did you think about it? It was fucking heartbreaking. I really liked this one. Um, I liked that they have an episode that's a connection to the original series, but not like an... You know, it, it, this episode could have probably just as easily have been done having Spock as the central character, you know, but... Uh, you know, that would be just kind of, I don't know, fan service. He would be crass in a way. And this is a character who is very important to Star Trek. He's been in, he was at least, you know, he's in a couple of the movies and the, uh, uh, you know, a couple episodes. Journey to Babel. Yeah. Um, they mention that in the in the beginning of the episode, the, the cord and admission. Um, you know, and they also mention, uh, there's two mentions of Spock. There's the mention where he says that he was at his son's wedding. Yeah. Picard says that. And then... They actually had to fight to actually get the permission to actually say Spock on the show, the, yeah. like the actual word. Uh, you know, when Picard has the mind meld, which I find interesting because yeah. there was a period, I, there was an episode, I think, in maybe the second season or something where they, they wanted to mention Kirk and they didn't because they just wanted to make sure that the show was like apart from that as much yeah. as possible. Which is funny. You know, it's funny because the show does have a lot of callbacks. You know, again, the Daystrom Institute, things like that, like Picard studied and start at fleet academy kirk is definitely studied about you know well there was a you know there were sort of these theories you know early on in the first season about did this you know is this actually taking place in the same universe because nobody really knew and you know well, of course the, first the appearance episode, of mccoy yeah. you know that kind of was you know i think that's why they put mccoy yeah in the episode to say yes this is taking place in the same universe it's just mm-hmm. later um i don't like this episode as much and really I like it. I think it's very good. I admire it. I think it's very well constructed. I think Picard, uh, not Picard, uh, Patrick Stewart, you know, they're using him in amazingly great ways now. You know, both episodes this week, really, they give him opportunities. He is just a fantastic actor and they are now giving him stuff that is worthy of his acting chops. Uh, But every single time I see this episode, I like it a little less. And, I think the reason for that is, you know, yes, the first time you see it, I think it works brilliantly, you know, and I think this is a really interesting test of you as well, which you didn't realize because oh! I don't think this episode would work nearly as well if you didn't know who Sarek was, yeah. if you didn't have that connection to the character and to the franchise. Well, um, this is basically seeing a... I think that the concept yeah. of the show might be a lie now because I think you might be a Trekkie. Oh, fuck. Uh, I don't think you are, but, and I just feel like, you know, it's one of those episodes which I like well enough. I like the character of Sarek. I like everything they do with him in this episode, I, I, you know, but it feels a little too much like, you know, you said it would be too much like fan service to have Spock in the episode. I but... feel like this is a little fan service too, because you know, one of the things that I, ke- I keep saying about the third season is that Michael Piller had this rule about, you know, let's have the guest star of the week, not let's have the episode not be about the guest star of the week and let's be, have the episode be about how that guest star is, yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. having our characters react to him or her. And this is not that episode. This is very much about Sarek. This is very much about Sarek's journey. And this episode is about what this is yeah. a this is a Star Trek Trekkie episode. I don't think that you would appreciate or like this episode nearly as much if you just watched it, 
you know, cold with no knowledge. Now, maybe that's unfair. I don't well, know. I mean, but it's it's a lot of the episode goes on this character who, again, we've seen him a couple times. Any any time he's been in, he's been just a, he's a really Sarek is a really cool character. In a Absolutely, lot of ways. I, I, he is. He you know, and uh, and if we haven't realized that by now. Every single character on the ship, you know, Picard literally says at the beginning, you know, the first time I met him, you know, I was I could barely get a word out. I was so, you know, and, you know, we've seen Picard deal with everybody, you know, and Riker even finds it amusing that Picard was, you know, you know, too nervous to speak around him. Yeah. You know? So, you know, that's how impressive this guy is. And we're seeing him in essentially the early stages of Alzheimer's, you know, right. And it's it's. The fact that it, it, you know, it isn't, you know, if it is just a random character, that isn't as, I don't know. It is. Oh, this episode yeah. would not have worked no, if it wasn't it, but Yeah, because we are, you know, we, we've we seen plenty of episodes where, you know, the, the, the random character of the week is dying or is, you know, we've seen a couple of episodes like that and they don't have as much of an emotional punch. But at the same time, I guess I'm seeing, this is all about how, you know, dealing with Sarek dealing with this illness, and rather, it isn't as much about, you, you know, this is Picard realizing that, you know, he's going to grow good old and die, and this is Data realizing that even his, you know, and, you know, this is, you know, and the characters, you know, yes, the characters do deal a bit with their own mortality in this episode, but at the same time, this is, you, you know, have an episode, I, I, I don't know, it, it's not enough about the the main cast i guess they don't react to it it's about the situation itself yeah pretty much i mean this is this is a very it's not a plot driven episode it is a character driven episode no. but it's a character driven episode about a character which frankly you know the, the the show has no relation to and i think you know and and Sarek, what does he appear in the franchise sick half dozen well, times Sarek, you know yeah Sarek appears i think in in three or four of the movies he appears in one episode of the original series and is voice appears in you know in one episode series, of the animated yeah. series so this is a character who's made you know at most a half dozen appearances in the franchise over the course of you know 25 years i assume there's about a billion novels about him but. Pro- probably <laughs> but Lee, we don't need to talk about star trek <laughs> novels uh you know may- maybe if you know we we go crazy that's another moment, podcast when we get to the end of this we can start doing oh my god star we can trek do a novels. podcast about the novels sure uh, but, you know, so I like the character of Sarek. I think he's a fantastic character. Yeah. And I really like Mark Leonard as as Sarek. You know, I've always liked that performance in that character because, he, yeah. you know, he's really one of the only, you know, full-blooded Vulcans that we see in the original series. So we get a different flavor to Vulcans, I think. I like the fact that the episode deals with Vulcans and deals with them in a way that puts their own sort of spin on the culture. Because, yes. you know, th- th- this is really the first time that the, 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 the Next Generation has dealt with Have Vulcans. Have we even seen any Vulcans in the... There, is, there are a few, like, incidental background The proto-Vulcan planet, I know. And yeah. there's Dr. Salar, who was, I think, in one or two episodes in, like, the second season. Okay. So she was a Vulcan. But aside from that, no. And Which I think is fine. And because, that's... Yeah, we've talked about the reason behind that. Right. Yeah. And I think what this episode really is kind of, you know, if we go back to the episode, I think, what, The Hunted or The High Ground from a few weeks ago, where I sort of posited that that was the next generation throwing down the gauntlet and saying, this is what our version of Star Trek is like. Sarek is an episode which they could not have done until they did the bulk of the hard work in the third season to really make this a good show, to make it Star Trek and to make it 
a show which stood on its own and was able to do this. You know, it's actually funny, and I'm just thinking about this. Partially, it gives a very sense of, in a way, the political situation of the galaxy changing. I mean, like, a hundred years ago during original series, Vulcan just seems like it might have been a more major player in the galaxy. I mean, this is... Not that Vulcan society is in decline, but I you get the sense almost watching Next Generation that they're not taking the galaxy stage anymore. Do you know what I mean? They're not making as many influential decisions. They're not... You know, maybe they are just, as a society, staying a little more insular. That could be, you know, and we don't really know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what what I find really interesting, I mean, you know, because we, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, Sarek and sort of his relationship and what's going on with him and everything. But, you know, let, let's just talk about Star Trek, you know, history for, you know, <laughs> hey. uh, that you know Picard they they do link it I mean I do I will say that they do try yeah. and link Sarek to Picard in a very interesting way because Sarek is a character which you know they say he's 202 years old you know he, this is a person who obviously was born at about the same time that the Federation I think had come into existence yeah. so this is basically someone who was born at the very beginning you know of the, of the Revolutionary War or something and is now alive in 1950 so you know that's that's interesting yeah. right and I think they they kind of do an interesting thing with that where they talk about Picard, they talk about how they studied him, they talk about Sarek is the living embodiment of the Federation at its beginning Mm. and at its sort of like most vibrant probably. Yeah. You know, he was influential in bringing in members of the Federation over the course of his career. You know, they mention a lot of his his sort yeah. of successes and he his diplomatic successes. One of the founding fathers, essentially. That's <laughs> that's pretty much what the implication yeah. is. And so I think, you know, on one hand, I think all of that is put in there for people that don't know anything about Sarek, right? Because you need some way to make him seem very important if you don't know who he is. Yeah. Uh, obviously, people that have seen Star Trek before w- would know who he is. And then on the other hand, I think it's funny because Picard uh, is it, it, it kind of links Picard to a lot of this stuff and it links Picard in a way which is which is funny because, you know, the, the Enterprise D is the flagship of the Federation. We mentioned, I think, in a couple other episodes that, you know, the Enterprise uh, in the original series was just another random yeah. ship. So that's interesting. I think there's an implication there that Picard has to be more uh, diplomatic, has to be more involved in these sort of high-level discussions because he is the captain of the flagship of Starfleet. Yeah. He's not just exploring randomly. He's representing in more. You know, his his way is much more, you know, explicitly ambassadorial because he's, for the most part, he's dealing with cultures they already have contact with as opposed to Kirk, who is seeing new places for the first time. Right. And so, you know, having Sarek be ferried by the Enterprise is important in and of itself because yeah. this is a high honor. And then, of course, you get that thing about Picard being at Spock's wedding, which is is funny as well, you know, because Picard is a character who we sort of don't know. I mean, you know, Picard is interesting because we don't know a lot about Picard, yeah. even as, you know, he's the ostensibly the main character of the show. But he's he's a main character of the show in a different way than Kirk was the main yeah. character of, of the original series. Picard, in general, kind of doesn't talk about himself and, uh, you know, acts very by the book in a lot of ways or at least more he's a little more concerned with protocol and appearances than Kirk was and you know so it makes sense that we have less of an intimacy with him I guess because that's you know and the show's dealt with that you know that's that's just who Picard is he is 
the captain more than Kirk was the captain. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, leaving aside the Picard stuff for a minute, I, I, I think that the episode's take on Vulcans, the episode's sort of respect for what has built, you know, in the yeah. previous movies and television shows, uh, uh, but at the same time, putting its own spin on things is another example of the show becoming comfortable with itself and it's able to do this you know this this is not an episode that would have been able the show would have been able to do in the first or second season and so and in other ways you know this is the this is the show throwing down the gauntlet again yeah well you know i mean vulcans have always had mystical hoodoo attached to them you know that's been the but in the original series you know there was there was a a degree to which like Spock just kind of got mental powers, like as 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 it as he needed it, you know. Right. All right. Oh, suddenly I can you know distract the guard with my mental powers. Okay, you know, mind meld is going to be you know whatever. But I don't know. In this one, the psychic powers are much more pronounced than they ever were in the original series. But the limitations of them are there, and that I don't know. It feels a little more consistent within this episode. It feels like. The rules have been more refined by this episode. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I do like the the plot, you know, in quotes of this episode yeah. because I think it's an interesting take and it's an interesting use of the Vulcans' telepathic abilities and the Vulcans' uh, control over emotions. Oh yeah, and this is always something that you know, w- you know, we've said on the show. I think that I've said and you sort of agreed with that that Vulcans do have emotions. Yes. They just learn to suppress them, and this episode says that outright. I don't know that. I don't remember Star Trek saying that outright before. So that's something that the show is able to do. I feel like, yeah, I think it had been implied like in Naked Time and stuff like that. But there is as much where that was kind of what, episode five or six of the original series? Right. It wasn't. So, you know, and on that sense, I think it's, it's a really smart use of that character. And it's a smart use to get a problem into the episode. You know, we always like to talk about stakes, you know, we haven't talked about them in a while and this episode definitely has them. And you sort of get that, you know, funny scene where everyone is, you know, fighting intent forward and, you know, Miles O'Brien is starting fight. I love O'Brien when he gets to like have action because he always kicks ass. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's a little Irish scrapper. He is an interesting character and I will, (laughs) I will leave it at that. Uh, you can take that as you will. And I also think it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good episode because it shows us how intensely Vulcans actually have these emotions because, what leaks out is, mm. you know, just just raw anger yeah. and, and really nothing else. <laughs> I mean, you know, to the point where, where Picard and Riker look like they're about to come to blows on the bridge and yeah. everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? And, and you know, it really <laughs> kind of is disturbing in a way because well, this is what Vulcans deal with. I mean, I think what, what, what really what I found, again, partially heartbreaking, partially disturbing is... We've seen, you know, we've seen Sarek's reaction to his son's death. And it was, you know, and that was him, you know, at the peak of his control and his, you know, in that was Sarek in his prime, really. And, you know, you see the amount of control and all of that. And to see him just breaking down left and right is just, again, you're seeing a a really cool character crumbling, you know, and it's... I don't know. I loved the 
again, what this episode stresses to me is kind of the subtlety of the emotions, though, because we see all of these, you know, the, and we see most like most obviously in Picard when he is, you know, during the mind meld sequence and just he is this raw emotion. But, you know, th- one of the scenes that always strikes me from Journey to Babel is when, you know, the Sarek and, uh his wife Amanda uh, yeah who also gets a mention yes um you know when Sarah and Amanda are together and you know like you're just kind of like hold hands for a second and it's just this you know you know very you know for for Sarek this is for Vulcan this is you know the equivalent of you know singing love you know ballads to her but you know sweet moment and you know at the very end when Picard says to his new wife you know he loves you and she's like yeah I know you know she is the. I think you yeah. know it. Ta- you know, I, she explicitly says it takes you know pretty much it takes a special kind of person to marry a Vulcan, and you do need to be receptive to what their subtleties are. But and the fact of the matter is also that that Sarek married not one but two. Yes, you know, uh, maybe three. We don't know. I mean, we know about Amanda, his first wife. Yes. And we know about Perrin. We we you know, and he's two hundred years old. So who knows? Maybe he had another wife yeah. in there. And his passion for uh, it, neither of them seems to be any less. I mean, this is someone I, who is does have deep emotion. But I think it says something yeah. about who Sarek is that he marries human women, and. <laughs> That, you know, maybe he is a character that is just, you know, because living for 200 years and like yeah. being at the foundation of your society. And, you know, I mean, this would be like if George Washington was still walking around. I yeah. mean, this would be crazy. And so I think that, that you can sort of imply that uh, or, or sort of, you know, maybe this is me just sort of being a, a trucky and geeking out for a minute. But sort of the, the implication that, you know, I think there was always the implication that Sarek married a human because he wanted to understand their partner in the Federation. Yeah. But I think also it does say something about who Sarek is as a Vulcan. And I also like the fact that it's an exploration of what it means to get old and what it means to have a disability that is very alien. Because they say that they were expecting, you know, a frail old man. They were thinking in human terms. You know, this is what it is to to be old and sick. But for a Vulcan, they can be 200 years old, still be very, yeah. very vibrant. But what it means... It to seems be... like he could still take a fight. You know? Sure. <laughs> but, but what it means to be ill yeah. is to have that loss of mental discipline. You know, yeah. he, he can't meditate anymore. You know, for a Vulcan, that that's, seems to be awful. Yeah. That's how they sort of refresh their mental control, it seems. And so I like that. I like that the episode makes... Vul... It doesn't shy away from the fact that Vulcan is a very alien culture. Oh, yeah. And I like the show when it does alien cultures. I do like aliens. You know, I think I think it's interesting. So. And I also, you know, but frankly, I also think that the show does a lot of really nice touches that, that wouldn't be noticed by people that, that don't pay attention to these things. But, you know, Sarek introduces Perrin the same exact way he introduced Amanda in Journey to Babel. You know, she who is she my wife. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, the peace and long life, long live and prosper thing at the end is great. Um, you know, there's a lot of costuming and stuff that is very, you know, it's not the same as what they were wearing in, you know, the movies and stuff, but it's, it's very... Uh, uh, well, it's uh, a few decades later, you know, fashion's changed. Fashion's changed. Although, why would Vulcans have fashion? Is that logical? They, well, yeah, anyway. it is. They have, they have art. They have have music they have you know it's again i i think the you know a vulcan being moved by music to tears is unusual but a vulcan is going to appreciate the aesthetic elements of that the mathematical perfection of the music and all of that and so you know i i 
I, I've always understood Vulcan to be a culture that very much values beauty. And so fashion kind of goes within that. Yeah, that's just it's it's a beauty for that you wear. Yeah, that's true. And I, I, I you know, that's that's one of the things that I've always liked about Vulcan is, yeah. is that it does seem to be, you know, one of the more fleshed out cultures, you know, in, in the franchise, I yeah. think. Um, Which you know. makes sense. One of the, you know, the, the alien that we've spent three seasons with in the first uh you know, it, it, it makes just as much sense that Klingon gets really fleshed out because one of the main cast members is Klingon in this one, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I guess the other thing, that, you know, Sarah, we haven't really talked about Sarah's disability too much, but it's it's funny to me that he sort of, uh, I don't know, I don't know that, I guess they were hiding it from him in a way. And there's yeah. there's, you know, there's this sort of, I think it's a very contemplative episode in in a lot of ways. And, you know, Picard talks a lot about aging and Picard talks about getting old and loss of dignity and things like that. And these are obviously things that Picard fears, yeah. you know? I mean, this is not something that... You don't say these things if you don't... Yeah, again, Picard's still in his prime, but he's not going to be in his prime for that much longer, you know? And he could start to get sick in 10 years, you know what I mean? Like that... Right, yeah. right. And so... They're they're sort of you know they've got this one character I forget his name but the other Vulcan in the episode yes. who is sort of using his telepathy to, to sort of help Sarek through his his illness as much as possible and it's it's weird to see a Vulcan want to save face in a way and 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 to to be sort of very very antagonistic or hostile to the idea that he has an illness. Well, it was really interesting because the, you know, for the beginning of the episode, and I, I liked that it's kind of a fake out. I mean, these, his two aides, they're hiding something from the moment they get on the ship. Yes. And, you know, you're, you know, you spend most of the episode, you know, why are they hiding? What, why don't I trust them? What are they doing? But they mean it with the best of intentions. Like literally, uh, you know, everybody just, Wants Sarek to have this one meaning. This is his crowning achievement. He's been working on this half his life, you know. This is going to be, he's on the flagship. He's going to have this really great week. He's going to have this massive success. And then they're going to take him back to Vulcan. And then they're going to, you know, start to gently break it. You know, they're, really you would just see them kind of stalling right now. And, you know, it, it just, it, he gets too bad a week too late is really the... That's that's this that's what happens in this episode. You know what I mean? That he if he had been able to hold on for another couple weeks, you know that that's all they wanted for him. You know they they weren't doing this with any malice, and you know he is maybe in denial just because you know mental illness does creep up like that. You know it does take other people to recognize that. Yeah, yeah, because you don't recognize it yourself. Yeah, really. you know, and and the interesting thing is at the end of the episode you know when when they decide that the way to deal with this is to to have Sarek and 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 Picard mind meld you know there's this sort of implication that this is something that's not really done that much anymore and that uh you know Sarek is able to get control of himself by by borrowing Picard's strength and Picard is sort of uh yeah. Picard is getting to experience what it's like to be mentally ill in a way uh, and that's terrifying to him, and I think yeah. it's also terrifying to Beverly. Well, I mean, here's and I think it's and I think it's interesting that Beverly is there to comfort him, and she yeah. wants to comfort him. Yeah, again, but, you know, especially after the events of the Legions, which no one ever really discusses again. But you know, <laughs> yeah, um, and, and you know, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, Picard does is into control as well. You know, again, we just said he's very much 
the role of the captain and, you know, he's very much, you know, about discipline and stuff. And, you know, yeah, Sarek is, you know, he and Sarek are not that much different in their way. Discipline is two different things for them. You know, Picard doesn't repress his emotions so much, but, you know, he does recognize that certain ones are inappropriate or that, you know, whatever. And he is seeing what his own lack of control would be like. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe if that had been a bit more explicit, maybe if there had been a bit more Picard stuff, I think I would have liked the episode a bit better. Um, and it's not to say that I don't like the episode. I just no, think that... No, the episode is about Sarek's problems and how they affect Sarek rather than Sarek's problems and how they affect Picard. And maybe that latter is a bit more narcissistic from Picard's view, but he is our main character. And, you know, while he's not the audience stand-in, you know, whosever episode it is kind of does act as the audience surrogate for that week whether it's picard or Riker or geordie or whatever um, right right you know he is our viewpoint character we do have our sympathies and yeah it's easiest it's easier to sympathize with how picard is dealing with this and the episode doesn't quite get there so yeah and i think that's a good way to put it yeah um uh, would you want to wrap this up but i i want to say one other thing about this episode which is that uh Jordy gets angry that Wesley isn't going to go on a date. Yeah, and, and he's uh, all like, you're not going to get anywhere with her. I just I just want to point this out because, you know, it's another data point for the fact that Jordy is gay and really wants to have sex with Wesley. I thought they had had sex. I don't think so. Why not? I don't know if it's legal, but I don't know what the, I don't know what the laws of consent are in Starfleet. He's what, 16 now? 17 maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Don't really have anything more to say about it. Just seemed important to me. It it did, and you know something I I I like. They had such a great bitch fight with each other. There's there's just something weird about a grown man who is making fun of a teenager. That, that's all I'm saying. Well, he was under the influence of Vulcan mind hoodoo. So, and also the fact that they brought up the holodeck women thing again, which yes, I love that. That's a becoming yes. a thing. Jordy, <laughs> um, poor Jordy. I wish they, you know, not that the Lagarins were, you know, supposed to be the focus of the episode, but they spend all this time, you know, showing these shots of this tank and making this big deal about it. Which is 150 degrees Celsius, by the way, which is really hot. Yeah. Um, and then they just like, you know, just skip through that entirely. And it's like, up. Ah! And I'm like, I'm, not, I'm fine with that because I, I don't I, think that there's any way that they could have shown us the Lagarins that wouldn't have been disappointing. Yeah. But still, I, 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 they didn't even imply enough of what the Lagarins were like. And maybe that would have been, you know, more interesting. I don't know. Maybe, I guess. I, I just sort of viewed that as the, this was the MacGuffin to get into the episode. Yeah, of course. So they had to have a reason to have Sarek there. This was the reason. Mm. Well, uh, I'll give this uh, six goo pits. Okay. <laughs> I can't even. Let's just move on. Apparently, Richard has Bendai syndrome. <laughs> he can't control his emotions. All right. Well, let's move on to Menage Troy, mm. which uh, I wanted to dislike this episode. Yes! And I will say that I did not dislike I it. I think that's a great way of putting it. I'm very glad that they didn't take the title literally. I laughed at several points. Yes, that would have been horrible. Yes. I'm glad that they did not also do that. Um, because... Loaxana, Troy, and Deanna Troy and Riker having a three-way is something that I want to talk. stop talking about immediately, so let's talk about something else. 
So, yeah, I think that, again, this is the show realizing that it has made some missteps and mm. it can do something with Frankie and it can do something with Loboxana Troy that yeah. is not horrible. Yeah, it was. It, this is a fluffy comedy episode and they figured out how to make the show kind of funny. I don't know that I would go as far as to say that it's funny. Kind but... of funny. Okay, kind of funny. All right, I'll I'll, I'll grant you that, I suppose. Uh, I still don't really understand uh, why Loaxana Troy is a character. I don't really get her. Uh, I don't know why Deanna Troy and her have this relationship, which is a, frankly, uh, it's a sitcom relationship yeah. that mothers and daughters have. I, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like that Deanna Troy has this visceral reaction to a frankly innocuous pet name that her mother has for her. I don't appreciate the fact that Loaxana Troy meddles in her daughter's life. Like she's some sort of sitcom mother. Yeah. Uh, I don't really like the fact that uh, Picard pretends that he needs to be somewhere else. Although I did like the fact that he said that he wanted to go examine the new aft uh, turbulent door things or something to get out of there. Um, yeah, I just, it's an episode. I just, you know, I love Luxana Troy's outfits. I, I still, that's the one thing I, the one time, you know, the, the only thing I look forward to every Luxana Troy episode is that you can tell the costume designer had fun that week. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I, I'll just put this out there. I'm glad that they toned down the sex pot Lawax on a Troy business. She didn't yeah. seem like a horny old space lady in this episode, which I think was a good choice. Oh, yeah, that, that was a... Because I think it, frankly, would have been horrendous and horrible, and I probably would have... Uh, uh, well, there would have been I, no I, I, plot, because... I would, she... have, I would have had to have torn out my eyes if she had been attracted to the, to the Ferengi, because... The last episode, you would have been like, would you get married? Yes, let's get married! And then they would have gotten married, and that would have been the entire episode. Yes, and rather than you know, Luaxana Troy gets raped by several Ferengis, which was not necessarily an improvement. I think that that was probably going that way, but you know, I don't know that I. We need to talk about the Ferengi because the <sighs> we show have to. the show has gone from the Ferengi as the the main you know antagonist are yeah. going to be the new villain which obviously did not work out to now they're sort of we don't really get what they're about they seem to be some sort of military organization but they're not really and they are space capitalists now it's which and they're kind of used as comedy relief in this episode but it's, it's like they not give, that funny they give us uh they tend to give us ferengi when they want to have an antagonistic character who is something that they do have to deal with. They're not completely a paper tiger. But you know that once they figure out how to do it, and they will fairly easily figure out how to get over it, that they will. It's just a matter of the Ferengi have the upper hand now. It's just a matter of time. I just don't like the fact that the Ferengi have become a culturally acceptable thing to hate. Mm. Because that seems to be sort well, of this, the, the yeah. antithesis of the show. I the, mean, the scene when, you know, again, the walks on a Troy, oh, you talks about how hideous they are. And, you know, and about at the dinner, like, yes, I, I get why she had a completely offended reaction. She does, you know, he deserved to have her talk, tell him off. But in a way which came off as really racist. 
Frankly, yes. And I mean, not only Lawaxana Troy has that reaction, the, the the guy who's in charge of the of the trade conference has that reaction. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, we we were very hesitant about, you know, inviting the Ferengi, but they turned out to be OK. Picard, and, Picard yeah. says something about he allowed the Ferengi on his ship. I mean, this is yeah, really... it's not as it's not like, you it's know, gross, it's actually. not like we have a you know, we have a a species who is generally disliked, but the show doesn't agree that it's okay to dislike them on principle. Like, the show thinks it's all right to dislike them. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like the cockroaches of space. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think think that's a great way to put it, is that, you know, the the show, when it grapples with prejudice, it usually is saying, okay, this is not a good thing, even if the characters are prejudiced in some way. But the the characters in this show, which are not prejudiced in all other respects, seem to hate the Ferengi for no other reason than they're Ferengi and they're gross. And I don't know that I like that very much. I mean, and, and that's the hell of it. There are plenty of reasons to dislike the Ferengi. The aesthetics are not the main one, you know, and but you know, they're, they're they're sort of just like they 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 say they're greedy, they're duplicitous, you know, they they're not trustworthy. Um, you know, they're ugly. I mean, whatever. It's yeah. just, I don't know. I just find it very very off-putting. The the yeah. whole react like the how how the Ferengi have developed into this sort of like punching bag for the show. I just I don't like it. And it it's and very And the show very... doesn't realize that they're a punching bag. Yeah. That's it. I think that, well, I don't know. I think they do realize that, and I think they know how they're using them, but Uh I don't know that they necessarily understand or or, or sort of like consciously recognize that that is kind of gross. I guess, yeah, it's, you know, you know, the show doesn't think that Ferengi are people. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. And I would agree with you. Yeah, it's one thing, again, if you show a. Yeah, they are. We are not expected to view them sympathetically. You know, we're not supposed to care about them. You know, it's it's Damon Toth or whatever his name is. You know, I mean, he is obviously just a clue. He's you know clueless and lonely and making a what he thinks to be a deal in a terrible way. And he's not a good guy. He's you know doing something that's very wrong, but. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to put. I mean, you know. Yeah, because I was now. Now I feel like I'm going too much, you know, towards having sympathy for him because the show's making fun of him, and that's not right either. Because well, they go they go out of their way to to make the Ferengi, to humiliate them. Yeah, to humiliate them because they 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 make their culture so odious that you know they they want the audience to hate the Ferengi as much as the characters in the show hate the Ferengi and. Uh, they they kind of succeed because the Ferengi are used that way, and of course yeah. the show is painting them that way, and of course they have many many cultural issues. I mean, you know the whole thing about uh, you know women are slaves basically, yeah. and they don't, they're not allowed to wear clothes. Well, I mean, and here's the thing: uh, like when they're on when they're in ten forward, and you know the doctor or whatever the other guy, and you know is saying like, oh, you know. You know, don't go up to her. You know, what, what, what do you? Do? You know, he basically, you know, saying, you know, this is a ridiculous plan. And when she yells at him, he's saying, you know, you know, you're done humiliating us. Let's go back to the ship. Like, you know, for a while, he seems almost like, you know, look, we are not welcome here. Like, we've done all we can. Don't, don't embarrass us any further. Let's be Ferengi with dignity. That way, you know, he almost seems like he's saying, like, you know, look, if we. Just go to this, have one drink, and go home. They'll say, well, you know, we had negotiations with the Ferengi, and things were okay. Now they have a story which says, oh, the, and and the captain of the Ferengi, you know, went up to Lwaxana Troy and, you know, was hitting on her and, you know, caused this, like— and then, you know, but the, but once he's on the ship, he's all, you know, women don't wear clothes and, you know, all of this. And he's, you know, let me scramble their brains and, you know, and 
So he proves. To, oh yeah, they tortured Lowakana yeah. Troy. I mean, that's just weird. He, he and... proves to be just as odious as the press release says. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I, I just I, I find it to be more of a function of, of yeah. this is the way the show was. That's written what I mean. Yeah, else. you know, it's it's kind of like they came to a conclusion, and here's how we get there. Yeah, you know? no, and, I. I, I well, one of the one of the interesting things, though, I think, is that you know Damon Tog's second in command, I think, is much more competent than he is, and yeah. I think you know it's funny because I think the which show, is not the first time we've seen that happen in Ferengi. Actually, it's not, and I think that there is sort of a, a Peter Principle thing going on here, you know, where yeah. maybe the Ferengi just have this issue in general. But I I don't like the fact that you know in the episode we saw before I, I don't remember exactly what episode that was but there was some sort of understanding between Riker and the Ferengi first officer that they they respected each other and i think that that character was more of a character than any of the Ferengi yeah. in this episode you know Damon Tog is the one with Jordy and that Ferengi where they you know were uh, um in that cave and all of that and they save each other that was a romulan that was a romulan oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, then fuck the Ferengi. Yeah. Good, good good try. Yeah, fuck the Ferengi. That's pretty much accurate. But I think, you know, Damon Tog is, he's a function of the plot. He doesn't really have a lot of characterization of the yeah. thing. He's a creepy, horny old man who wants to, 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 um, they like their ears. Stroke. Keep Lawaxana Trumax. Yes. Uh, that is referenced again and again. Uh-huh. Uh, to look forward to that. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, they, you know, the Ferengi are, are basically. They're the kind of the Frankie are the kind of people that will torture someone, kidnap them, and trick them into performing sexual favors. So really, they are horrible, horrible. And then people. believe them when at the end they say, "Okay, no, I'll, I'll, I'll willingly hang out with you." Sure, yeah, that that's fine. <laughs> um, and yes, I, I I think that you know Damon Tog is just a function of the plot, and his characterization is a function of the plot. And I also think that the second his second in command is sort of his characterization is just a function of the plot. Yeah, and that's... his willingness to torture her for for apparently no reason whatsoever. I mean. Do the Ferengi not think that Betazoids don't know why they're telepathic? I mean, wh- why do they need to do this? And why do they have the ability to do it? And this whole weird thing about the Ferengi not being able to get read by the Betazoids, yeah. which just seems to be there to have the plot work. Like, I don't know. It's not It's not great is what no. I'm saying. All Troy does is she is a living walkie-talkie. In this episode. Yeah, Troy doesn't have a lot to do, which is unfortunate. Like, I like that Lewaxana Troy is plotting and planning the entire thing and doing fairly well. Again, if the if the if the second in command had not walked in two seconds had walked in two seconds later, you know, this and I liked that moment. I, I did like that because, you know, it did make the episode get an extra level of stakes that it originally wasn't going to. Sure. But well, what I think, you know, yeah, the, Troy, you know, again, Deanna doesn't do anything, and and the episode is not really. A, I mean, I, I I don't really have a problem with that because I don't think uh, the episode is about her as much as it, as it is about Lawaxana Troy, and about you know, it's not about their relationship really. And I think what I find amusing about the episode, perhaps, is that or, or nice. I mean, maybe it's even maybe it's even a little nice is that. You know, the episode does go a long way towards redeeming that sort of relationship because, you know, it sort of is a retcon in a way, but it it says they have a very traditional mother-daughter relationship, but at the same time, they do have some sort of bond and they're able to 
deal with each other and when they have to do something to to get themselves out of the situation they're able to work together yeah. you know they do love each other i mean yeah and i think they make it very clear that you know they they're it, it, it almost it does seem a generational thing in a way and let's face it at this point in you know in america at around you know very late 80s early 90s there were plenty of women who were career women whose mothers were saying well you're not getting any younger why aren't you that is true. having a family you know yeah. the, the the any you know people who were deanna troy's age at that point you know did have mothers who did think that you know you 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 know it's great that you have a career but really you know at some point you got to stop dicking around and have a family you know that that's what loxana troy is wanting for her daughter she does want her daughter's happiness. She does think that, you know, here you go, you were the girlfriend of the guy who's now the first, you know, officer of the flagship of the Federation, and you didn't marry him, you know? Why are you not, like, working on that every single day of your life? That even seems to work on Troy a little bit, because... You know, there's always an implication there that 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 whatever happened with with Riker and Troy in the past happened, and they're now friends. But you know, when well, Picard tells Riker to take shore leave, and they go off, the and two of them are having a date. I mean, smooching, and you know, whatever, yeah. and you know, it's all nice and stuff. And I, I, but I think there's an implication there, of course, that that Troy's doing this because her mother has gotten to her in some way. I mean, I have always gotten the sense with you know Troy and Riker. Again, they they are you know this this show has the two body problem in spades. You know, they did have a very close relationship but ultimately they didn't think that romance was worth giving up their careers for and you know they they knew the sacrifices they would need to be in order to be a relationship and decided no we can't make that choice and but i think they you know and for the most part in their every day i think they don't care about that you know they are troy's busy he's riker's busy you know when they're on shore leave and they're, they're together and it's a beautiful planet and they're you know dressed comfortably of course they're going to have very different feelings yes yeah absolutely and you know uh they're they're dressed well Riker seems to be wearing some sort of blue tunic thing which blue is neck. yeah great fine Let, let's move aside from this because I think we've taken this about as far as we can go and let's talk about the the b plot of the episode which the show hasn't done that much yeah you know this is kind of the first b plot that we've had in a while yeah they really Uh, have been a main situation and just kind of like spokes of it in a way and i think this is more a function of they need to deal with this than anything else like this i on the one hand you know this whole the whole wesley subplot with him going to the academy seems like it comes out of nowhere and why is it in this episode but on the other hand it's like well what episode what yeah. other episode could it be in? Because this is a light comedy episode. Yeah, Nothing yeah, really yeah. happens. There are no like high stakes. I mean, you know, we all know that Riker and the two Troys are going to get out of the situation yes. at the end of the episode. So, you know, why not have this be in here? They have to deal with it more I than in they in Sarek or something like thought that. Thought that it was possible that this would be Wesley's last episode because I mean, I know at one point he does leave the show, right? Uh, yes, he does. And you know, again, I figure, you know, I. I'm fairly sure it is for a reason, like, you know, he finally does go to the Academy, you know. I thought it would be this episode. They gave it another year, at least, so maybe next year will be his last season. Right. Um, You know, and again, it is inevitable. He is just kind of cooling his heels on this ship, but, you know, at the same time, he does love living there, and, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the two. It, it's weird because I think yeah. that you know, in a lot of in a lot of ways, this episode is very badly constructed because these two plots really don't have anything to do with each other th- thematically, as far as I can tell. 
Uh, but but no. what I what I do like about it is that it does treat Wesley's decision to leave the ship. It doesn't treat it lightly. Yeah, it treats him as an actual person. Uh, everybody else seems to be sort of. I guess sad that he's leaving, but understanding that he has to yeah. do this. And, uh, you know, Jordy's weird line about how he knows that Wesley will do great on the oral, oral exam, notwithstanding. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> um, that I like the fact that Wesley is able to be and is allowed to be a homesick teenager that yeah. doesn't want to leave and he's perhaps not ready to leave. Yeah, I mean he's he's going off to college, yes, and you know you know you and I both dealt with that plenty of people deal with that. But yeah, he's you know one of the one of the the, the you know they don't really deal with Wesley's prodiginess as a theme as much as maybe they would have. But yeah, they sort of dropped that. I at mean, the same time, he probably is going off to the academy a little earlier than he's ready. I mean, you, you know, the thing with people who are, you know, the thing with people who are that smart at a young age is that while intellectually he and you know he can hold his own with anybody on the Enterprise for the most part, socially he may not be ready to not leave his mom yet. You know, he is still a little. Maybe too young for that. Which makes it interesting that, you know, it would have been very simple, you know, and then the obviously, you know, the obvious reason why is that, you know, Will Wheaton, they didn't want Will Wheaton to leave the show at this point. But, you know, it would have been very uh, 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 fitting if he had left the show at the same time that Gates McFadden left the show in the second season because he could have lived with his mother and still attended the Academy yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Right. And so it was always yeah, a little... Yeah, and then, she, you know, even if she came back in season three, oh, Wesley's doing really well at the Academy, you know. And... He, he needed his mother for the first year, and now he's fine. You know, yeah. he was 16, now he's 17. Yeah. He's cool. You know, whatever. He's made his friends. He's gotten used to his rhythm. But I think, you know, the fact that he didn't leave the show, and I obviously don't think this was intentional, but, you know, if you remember from The Child, I think it was, where they sort of had this subplot about Wesley deciding that he wants to stay on the Enterprise. Yeah. And Picard kind of going, all right, well, if you want to stay, you can stay that that was kind of the 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 episode that established that Wesley feels like he is a part of a family here yeah, and that it's his home it's his home and Riker is sort of his surrogate dad in a way uh and Picard is his actual dad eh, I don't think so but <laughs> I well I mean I I will say this I think that Picard is not his father but I think he's that he's a symbolic father he's he's a symbolic father and I think also that uh, in a way, Picard kind of views Wesley as the son that he could have had yeah. because obviously Be- Beverly and Picard had some sort of you know relationship in the past, and what whatever the reasons were why they didn't get married and have kids, this is sort of he's the uncle or whatever, yeah. right? And so he kind of feels a little bit responsible for Wesley. But in this episode, it's sort of teased out explicitly that Wesley really does feel like he, this is a part of his family and he's just not ready to leave yeah. yet, which I think is nice. Yeah, and I think they make it clear that, you know, at some point when he is ready to leave, it's not like he's going to be leaving fun and happiness and family forever. You know, this is his teenage home and, you know, he's going to find his early 20s home in the next, you know in the academy and yeah because everybody know. has to deal with that you know and, and yeah. the fact of the matter is i think it's it's very you know it's made explicit because they do say that you know it's it's unlikely that wesley will be uh yeah appointed to to, to the enterprise and they even graduates. say you know it's you know picard might not even be there you know the implication is that you know things change in five years pretty much this crew is not going to be 
hell, the the Enterprise not might be retired in five years. Probably not, but you know, it's not impossible. Yeah, that's true. It's not impossible, and I think really that's that's just to go with the idea that you can't go home again. Yeah, you know, once you leave home and once you go off to college or whatever you're going to yeah. do, when you go back home, it's not the same. And I and think that's the, kind of what they were trying to go with. with yeah, that. the goal is to make that your new home rather than pine for the old one. Yeah, and I think you know, in in, in kind of a weird way, I kind of wish that that had been the a plot of the. Episode. I was going to say now, now I'm yeah, I'm like I keep thinking I'm like, does that have anything to do with the, uh, you know. <laughs> with the a plot like no, you know, yeah i mean the b plot is basically you can't go home again so leave home when you're ready but at some point you do have to but... i mean maybe you could link it thematically where uh, you know you could say well lawaxana troy and indiana have this relationship and you have to come to terms with the fact that relationships change or something but really yeah, i think that's no, to... it's they're just too they're just two things that they smush together because they kind of had to i, I think the, I, yeah the a plot is almost kind of a thematic in a way i mean it's you normally see Luoxana Troy is very annoying, and you know she and Deanna, you know, cross horns at any point. But when they are in, when they are in trouble, Luoxana is going to show us why she is, you know, an exalted, you know, in the position she is. She does know how to manipulate people to a very good degree, and she, for the most, yeah, again, until the second in command comes, she's doing well, and that's that's that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, you know, uh, the final thing I will say about about Wesley and, and perhaps the final thing I will say about this episode is that I like the very end where Picard realizes, you know, what Wesley has learned yeah. and, and sort of makes him an ensign, basically. I mean, you know, and so it kind of makes well, me... Well, because he, he really... Yeah. It got him out of that horrible, you know, fake uniform that yeah. never looks like it was done up in the back. Which, <laughs> oh, I just hate that uniform. Uh, and I'm glad he's out of that now. And I'm glad he's an ensign and he's wearing the red and everything. I don't understand why he needs to go to the academy. I guess. Is well, that's the other thing because, like, I mean, and I think that's Picard kind of saying, like, when you deal with the, you know, because you know what Wesley did, he on his very last way, he gave up the, you know, going to the academy. He gave that up because he just kind of he was the only one to recognize what exactly was going on, and you know, he essentially saved three people's lives. That's basically what Wesley did in this episode, and. Yeah, promoting him to Ensign is Picard saying, like, look, you've done more than anybody your age would have, and you are acting as a full, you know, member of Starfleet right now. Yeah, so I kind of feel like just leave it there then. You know, like, if if Will Wheaton wants to leave the show at some point, he can get transferred to another ship or something, but it doesn't seem necessary for him to go to the Academy. It just seems like, yeah, it's, again, I think maybe there's a formality to it, like, you know, to be be a certain, you know, maybe in order to be an officer, you need to have your degree. I mean, that's not, I I think that may even be a, you know, requirement in the U.S., military, right? Or you need to have some kind of education. Anyway, you know, that... We can imagine some kind of thing like that. That's true. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think this episode was not entirely not entirely successful. But it was worth it for the very end when is, Picard it, is just spouting out poetry. Like I said, I laughed at that point. That was just it for what it was, which was Patrick Stewart being given an opportunity to ham it up. That was great. Yeah. You know, and they've pretty much abandoned the idea that he's French. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that a Frenchman would have known that much Shakespeare, but all right. Yay. So that was great. <laughs> all right. Well, next week we are wrapping up the third season with Transfigurations <sighs> and the Best of Both Worlds. Ooh. We'll talk to you then.